made our beautiful souls. So I want to make another podcast, and I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it's about the severe state that people with chronic fatigue syndrome can get in. The helplessness, the hopelessness, the despair. As well, the family members who have to deal with it. And um, yeah, let's see where this one is going. So before we start, um, let's just arrive fully in the present moment, in your body where you are right now, right here. You can look around. You can feel your clothes on your body. Feel the presence in in the room. Feel where you're touching the floor or the bed. And have a deep breath. And let it all out at once. It's important when we are on social media or are listening to other podcasts that we remain grounded. Sometimes you feel the urge to um, distract you, yourself all the time from one movie to the next. And without knowing it, you're really uh, adding lots of stress hormones in your life, maybe even adrenaline when you use it as a fight way to escape some systems. Or maybe it's flight. Either way, it's better to relax and um, and just know what you're doing and list, listen to something consciously. I just had a, a coaching session with a mother from a, let's say, a teenager who has chronic fatigue syndrome and is locking himself up in his room. And I've been in this exact same space, but I was um, in my 30s, so that's a, that's a big difference. And I'd like to talk about this subject, because when, you, when something is happening like this, you don't really know what to do. It's too overwhelming, and if your brain is not completely evolved yet, or not having life experience to deal with it, you know, where should you go? What should you do? And almost everyone that I spoke, they, uh, you know, they, they done their physical stuff. They do their detoxes. A lot of people do this uh, medical medium uh, things. And changing their diets. Uh, maybe listening to meditations. But it doesn't seem to work for, for most people. Because they're forgetting something. Something that is very painful to look at. The stress internally. So when I was getting sick, the the year before, I noticed my, my workouts were getting more obsessive. I was always thinking about uh, how to do it better. And I could not really uh, relax or enjoy myself. Although I would have never admit, admit that at that time. And my mind would have made up a fake, fraudulent feeling of feeling good. Which wasn't the case. And I think that I dragged my body into lots and lots of coping mechanisms. Which had the goal to arrive somewhere in the future. But the only time I really felt good was when I finished doing it. You know, I I don't know why I was already... Uh, almost 30 uh, in, at the time, and, but I still wanted to be like a really amazing, well, 
at whatever that I, that I was doing. I wasn't really doing things for relaxing. And sometimes when I talk about my past, it might seem that I was sort of a mental, mentally ill or something. But when you would have met me at that time, you probably wouldn't have said that. I would seem a very normal, healthy boy, healthy man. So it takes courage to, to look at those patterns that are very unhealthy, but patterns that are very normal in our society. We live in a society where negative feelings are not really acknowledged. You have to feel good, you have to be happy, you have to, as a child, you know, fit in the perfect picture of the perfect family. And if you're angry, then don't be angry. If you're sad, then don't be sad. So what do you do when you feel chronic fatigue syndrome symptoms? Overwhelming fatigue. Do you diminish it as well? Do you think it will go when you follow the old strategies? Or is just a diet, is that enough? But what if you don't deal with the internal stress that you're dealing with? All the judgments, all the things that you think that you have to do. Yeah, it's really hard to look at those things. To be really, yeah, seeing it. Yes, I'm fucking mean to myself. I am so full of judgments. I cannot relax. I mean, that is hard. And I get it, you know, if um, if the situation becomes totally out of control, then the only thing that you can do, according to your old self, is gain control. Gain control with everything. For example, uh, closing the curtains all day because you think that daylight might uh, be a negative uh, thing for you. Look at the mold in your house. But, um, yeah. Close the curtains, then what? Then it's always dark. And your rhythm gets out of whack. And daylight is also supposed to be good, you know, with vitamin D. Makes you sleep better as well. So although you gain some control, you actually lose some. You lose more. It always, it was always a negative thing. And if the strategies of the diet and everything did not help, and you deteriorate faster than you than you could possibly imagine, and you have no idea what's going on with you, there is just I don't know. There comes a point where you become a victim. I mean, I became a victim, and there became a point where I was eight hours a day on my mobile phone watching movies, watching stories, but also watching a lot of content that I would never watch at right now because it was all very rigid. I love to be rigid. And I think that my biggest disadvantage in life was my ability to keep up with my stress levels. I could go further where everybody else had to stop. And my biggest gift is probably that um, that my body just stopped cooperating. You know, I always had these feelings in life that something wasn't right. And I needed to live differently. And I had desires in life to live my life different than anybody else did. I wanted to live in nature. I wanted to be self-sufficient. 
I wanted to live on prana since I was a little child. But at the same time, none of my actions were actually representing this. You know, I was saving money to do eventually this type of living. I was trying to have a perfect body so that people will accept me. So the thing is that all of these things I did were not at all to reach what I want. Because the reason why I did not do it was probably fear. And my strategies... I mean, I achieved all my strategies. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine when everything that you possibly want in life is there? Then what? Then I noticed that I wasn't healthy at all. And that was the day before my chronic fatigue syndrome. I felt ashamed of using my body that way. I felt guilt. And I even asked myself for forgiveness. Sorry, body that I dragged you along with all my mind's goals of achievements or how I thought that life were all to be. So the years before chronic fatigue syndrome, I already had uh, diarrhea all the time, um, losing weight because of that. Irritable bowel syndrome I had. And I was moving fastly towards um, a leaky gut, so to speak. So that led me to more control. And that is a thing that I see to most people all the time. There, There is stress, a lot of stress, excessive stress, that creates symptoms. We need to deal with it. So we put another layer of control. We think we can deal with these primary symptoms. But that control will create secondary symptoms. Then we need to deal with that and control that by, for example, withdrawing ourselves from life, shutting down the curtain, excessively finding a mold in our house, doing an extreme diet or, you know, all these kind of things. But that gives a further layer of control and then more symptoms. But at the same time, this happened to me as well. I was not really living the life that I wanted, remember? I was not living in nature. I was stuck in an attic, in a bed, in a king-sized bed, 24-7. So, I needed to turn this around. And I, I already knew that my mobile phone wasn't doing me any good. It was actually making things worse. But I was so addicted this, uh, on a certain point to being on my computer, being online, being doing whatever. I was playing computer games while I was completely exhausted, while I was sleeping during the day and, wake, and awake during the night. So I had to turn this around. And I think it is also because of my uh, adulthood that, the, my, that I didn't force my stepfather to, to do th certain things for me because... I knew very well that I can't ask him lots of things and I want him to leave his life, to live his life. And there was also a point, for example, you know, I was reading lots about uh, uh, sunlight exposure, sound exposure. Um, and I was getting very sensitive to these things because I was basically getting very sensitive at everything. 
but I had to say stop at a certain moment. I'm not going there. I love the sun. I don't want to blind my curtains. So there came a point where I actually removed my curtains. I want to feel the light. I want to be with it. I choose not to comply with these tactics. And somehow when I stopped believing as well, the sunlight and everything was bad, then it wasn't such a big deal anymore. And although I was very, still very rigid at that time, which is something that is still a weakness of mine to be very rigid, I chose to, in the middle of the winter, in January and February, to go to the garden and lay there. There was this sun uh, bath that we had, and I just took some blankets with me and uh, a hot thermo uh, bottle with water and see if I can just be there offline, which did me, it really did good to me. And the changes that I experienced were very fast. And this is something I'm still sometimes surprised by, how fast things can change. How things, how fast the stress response can lower and, and, and the improvement can be done all by itself because we're not in stress anymore. And while I was in the garden watching the ducks, we lived, ne we lived next to the water, watching the birds, watching winter more or less in the Netherlands, which is like between 5 and 10 degrees more or less, I was... Um, observing nature and I think I realized that it was for the first time of my life or maybe since I was a little child that I was observing nature I was watching the ducks watching the birds listening to them how they were singing their noises watching a lot of other animals crawl and it made me happy not really but slightly happy Slightly happy to be somewhere else than in bed as well. And the light did great. It was really good to me. I remember going uh, to a doctor's appointment uh, at the chronicle, uh, chronically fatigued um, place. There was a sort of a, a place where people with chronic fatigue can go. Anyway, they declined me because I was in such a bad shape. And my concentration was so limited that I could not go there. But they looked at me and I thought I just came back from a skiing holiday because I was so tanned, which was the beginning of March. And every time, every day, I noticed there were a few seconds where I looked at life and everything looked a little bit different. And what I know now is that my filter started to disappear. We perceive life through our filters and our filters are being made by belief systems and thoughts but I wasn't doing much you know those days so I was perceiving life and it seemed like there was more light more color because I stopped filtering stuff but these moments were very short and I already thought that I was amazing I was great that I was having these little moments such um desire of grandeur I see that sometimes that when I have coaching sessions with people this happened to me one and a half years ago that someone really thought he was the new Jesus he was the lifesaver he was going to save the planet 
yet he was bedbound. But at the same time, he was also trying to um, to start a company that would earn a lot of money for him. So he was exhausting himself with everything of that. So I uh, I talked with him about it, and his response was uh, screaming to me. Aggression. I think aggression is also very interesting. You know, we deem aggression as something wrong. And I did that at the time as well because I wasn't, I think I wasn't where I, where I am right now with coaching. But aggression is something good. Um, it's the first sign of stop. And of course, you, what are you trying to stop? You're trying to, to stop um, uh, uh, people from breaking down a self-image. But ultimately, aggression will lead to you defending your own boundaries. And in life, you really have to fight for your own path. And that is not meaning that you have to fight for keeping up the appearance of being Jesus or something. But more about, for me, I want to be self-sufficient living in nature. I want to be so connected with nature that this is what I should fight for. And if anybody else tries to keep me off that path by letting me do something that I don't want to do, then aggression should come and defend myself of taking a path that is not mine. I'm not supposed to do these things. I'm not supposed to please other people. And that is as well a program of mine, to please other people. It's something that I created as a child, because obviously they wanted me as as a perfect child or something. They wanted me to be something that I was not. So even that is, is, is a form of people-pleasing, which is a coping mechanism. And a coping mechanism is always meant to keep you away from your feelings. So if I'm trying to be someone else, I, de- I develop the, the, the feelings of unworthiness, of course. And if I then feel that and I want to walk away and then I will enhance my coping mechanism of people-pleasing even more. So that is like a, a, a negative spiral because then I develop the, sim, the, 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 the same feeling but much more intense and every time I feel it because it's become a survival mechanism I automatically do people-pleasing and at a certain point I don't feel it anymore. Mission completed, I thought. No, mission is not completed at all. I'm actually so far away from myself at that moment. So disturbed internally because this doesn't happen just once. It happens millions of times, almost every day in life. And every day in life I had to suppress my feelings and my emotions and my boundaries. This is what society does to us. And this is what is fragmenting our soul as well. Because we deny so many aspects of who we really are. At the same time we also deny our path. What we're here for, what we really want to do. What is joy? Was joy really for me trying to be a muscled six-pack comedian guy no yet i fooled myself and i fooled myself with fake fraudulent feelings of joy that were never there in fact stopping with the activities in between the list of the the never-ending to-do list for for a few seconds that was my joy finally i can be here i can be now and that's what I was happening. Was doing in the garden as well. I was here. I was now. 
just very small feelings, just one second where everything looked a little bit brighter because I was not using the filters of my mind to filter reality into things that I should do or things that I should think about. No. For a very short moment, even let it be just one second, I was okay. Life was okay. I was letting it all be. Yeah. Those moments became bigger and bigger. And um, at a certain point, um, I was on my balcony in May, it's the same year, so a few months later. The end of May it was, 2017. I was standing there and I felt joy. It was a warm day. It was almost like a summer day. And it was perfect temperature. I was already so tanned, of course. And in the weeks before I'd made, with my energy was a little bit better. So I made lots of YouTube movies. But those YouTube movies were as well a coping mechanism to be seen, to be heard. Because a deep part of me wants to be seen, wanted to be seen and wanted to be heard. But I didn't know that at the time. So I was on the balcony there, feeling joyful. And I explored the feeling of joy. Because this was definitely a different feeling. Definitely an ancient feeling that I've forgotten about. Especially in the last years, I didn't really have that any joy in my life. Which was logical. Logical seeing, I mean, I ended a relationship uh, the year before chronic fatigue syndrome and I wasn't able to deal with my emotions and all the emotions were as well built on each other because I was coping all the time whenever I felt something. So there was a negative buildup in my body. Logical then. So yes, I was happy. And I explored that feeling of happiness on my balcony. And then I realized... I am not doing anything. Imagine that. Before, I always believed that my joy was in the future after arriving somewhere, what happened after my coping mechanisms. And then I realized it was all a lie. I was lying to myself. I did not have to do anything. Instead, I was pretty connected to my body. I was connected to hearing, feeling, hearing the music, feeling the warmth. And I was looking outside. Three senses. I came to my senses, so to speak. And I was at the moment. I was here. I was now. I went to, um, to bed after that because I was still exhausted. Still having really deep chronic fatigue syndrome, it didn't finish at that special moment. But something changed, and I was in bed, and I somehow felt when I was keep I kept doing nothing for a long time, and I felt the same day something like an energy buildup in my mind or my head dropping, and it felt joyful, felt delicious, nice. And in the weeks after that, I think I managed to do this this date for like one month or something. And I was going for walks and everything was f going much better and I was having more energy. Then uh, I remember I was going on a bridge and then I fell through the bridge and my whole leg was bleeding. 
and I wasn't too weak at that moment to get myself out of it. People were uh, running and they looked at me, but no one really helped me until a very religious lady came and she helped me. She brought me to my house and then to the doctor. But um, it was okay. And I think it was that day that I started, um, because I, was, I noticed I was quite fit. I started doing all my previous things that I hadn't done for a month. You know, my thoughts, uh, my coping with the, with uh, my mobile phone and the movies. Started to make another movie myself. And then, so we were speaking about June 2017 now. And then uh, things got downhill again. Back, and then we arrive at August, two months later. And at August, two, mo- two months later, I was at my rock bottom. The doctor had given me some uh, medicine, um, what's it called, low dose something, low dose, well, I always forget the name, and that gave my, my eye such a big sh- sh- disturbing stress or something that I did not make any liquid or tears in my eye anymore, so it was so dry that I had to close them. So my mom took me to the eye doctor, but uh, she said, yeah, just dry eyes. I mean, just basically the the same thing that every doctor keeps saying all the time. Yeah, it's just this, uh, well, nothing wrong here. But I could not open my eyes anymore. And then after the eye doctor, I was completely exhausted and I laid in bed. And I was, hey, Daniel, do you remember that time when you were so relaxed, when you actually started improving yourself? And I tried to commit to that experience of coming to my senses and coming to the present moment coming to my body again and i admit to that for a full six months and for a full six months i had nothing to think about i denied every thought and i let it go and the same day my body started improving I started feeling better and I went for a walk and I could watch again. Imagine how fast it can go again. And every every time I was surprised by this. And now everything was looking colorful. I was in that phase all the time. I felt I was enlightened. But um, I think that was another judgment of mine about the situation. Because I think it's a very natural situation to be in in a place like that. Although... Almost no one is able to do that. In our society, we are chronically stressed. We're chronically living on adrenaline and cortisol. So not doing that for a while made me able to go for walks. So I started walking like half an hour uh, in the few weeks after that. Very slowly. And it was still a very warm August. And I decided to go barefoot. Walking in tiny steps. And if I was not walking, I was sitting on park benches, observing, looking at nature, looking how beautiful it all is, feeling my breath. And I realized as well, something that a client of mine just recently told me after a few sessions, I do not have to do anything. I am okay. That is freedom. Um, Raylan Eagle's book, Finding, Finding Freedom. I, I haven't read it, but um, for me, that was freedom. 
I don't have to do anything. And Carl Davies, uh, I think his name is, he wrote the book The Intelligent Body. And one sentence particularly um, struck me. Like I think he said, like imagine that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be a specific type of person. You don't have to do, well, let's just say anything. I don't remember his words from heart from the heart. So you don't have to do anything. Imagine how it feels like. Feel it in your body. Feel the freedom. What does it do to you? Turn into it. Tune into it. And let it be. So I was improving rapidly. But at the same time, I was also denying denying all these thoughts that I used to be addicted to. Not doing any coping mechanism for a while. Well, that really was a, a game changer. And I would not really recommend uh, being in that state of mind all the time, because it's again, you know, it's not it's not in balance. And but although I was improving very very fast, um, I went on a holiday in uh, the beginning of 2018 to Thailand, and everything was fine. But I noticed when I came back, I deteriorated faster. Probably also because it was not my path, you know, it's not my life. It's also just feedback that I'm doing things that I was not supposed to be. Being in that room, I started being on my mobile phone again, you know. And as well, I fell in love. Well, I got, well, I fell in love. I, I was I was really liking a girl and I could not deal with that disturbance of my peace. So I wasn't, I was like a little child again, like just being reborn. And I wanted that girl, but I noticed already it wasn't love. It was pure craving. So we started to have something, but I mean, I had to somehow finish it by saying the things that she didn't want to hear. And that caused me uh, me panic attacks. And I was at rock bottom again within a few weeks. In the meantime, I also had done uh, the lightning process, which also gave me a big boost because it gave me uh, another filter in my mind, I think, that things are possible. And that that helped me going on that holiday where I thought, I'd, okay, I'm almost there. You know, I feel kind of okay. I'm not ready to do sports or anything, which I still wanted at the time. Whereas right now, I don't feel like doing sports at all. Uh, I like natural exercise like uh, gardening and everything or making stuff but at the time I wanted to do sports but I wasn't ready for it so the lightning process helped me um, move faster forward it gave me a different filter in my mind but it also hold me back when I had panic attacks because basically uh, what the, the coach was saying is that I need to do it better deny my feelings I think um, the lightning process was sort of a it, there is truth in there you know but I think they probably made it bigger than it actually is making it a solution for everything in life very black or white and that is a lot of things a, lo a lot of ill people are attracted to these type of things because it gives you a solution it probably gives you um, a feeling of control which is always the problem of course and the minds of the people who get chronically ill 
are very black and white, all or nothing, stressed. And it is that that we need to change. So there isn't a black or white solution for everyone. It is more the opposite of that. A colorful solution. The colors that I saw. The colors of not having a filter. And the colors as well of being okay where you are right now. And so if you're listening to this and you're judging yourself, notice it. And it's okay. And if you have the feeling that you need to change the world because the world is imperfect, it is okay. So right now I'm like in the point of this podcast. Should I give you a shock or should I tell you that you're just okay? Should I give you a shock that you are projecting yourself on the world? Or should I tell you that it is okay where you are right now? It is okay that you don't have to do anything. It is okay that you don't have to achieve anything. It is okay that you are in your bed. It is okay that your mind is chaotic. It is okay that you're full of judgments. It is okay that you're living in rigidity and in black or white and not in color. Because that's where you are right now. And you feel it. You feel the emotions that you suppress as well. And if you don't feel the, if you don't have the feeling of control, control, what do you feel? Is it fear? Where is this fear in your body? Breathe in deeply, in and out, and follow your breath al along your organs, from your throat all the way to your lower belly. Where is the fear? Are you afraid that you might never ever get out of bed again? And do you want control over that? Or is it distraction with mobile phones or all types of things like that? It is okay. This is where you are right now. Everything in life starts in the present moment. So every time you want to change or you want change to come, you should start where you are. And when I had a relapse after my panic attacks, I wasn't starting where I was at. Because I was fooling myself to be better than I actually was. And that was pretty logical as well. I just made six movies on my YouTube channel of how I recovered. But I wanted to remain that person. But then again, Kyle Davis says, let's explore the possibility that you don't have to be anything. You don't have to be a certain type of people, person. And feeling the possibility of that. So I have multiple relapses and multiple um, recoveries. I'll tell you about a few recoveries of mine. Once I was, um, well, let's say first in Thailand, I was feeling almost great there. Then a year later, I went to. Uh, Canada visit my uncle and uh, and a friend and from there I flew to Mexico but I wanted to be a certain type of person there I wanted to be showing that I was right I wanted to entertain people I wanted to be looked at as someone good so that was a coping mechanism stressful which you know you have to be very aware very conscious very feeling and doing all these types of things where I don't re didn't really have energy for so I was, I was getting worse and worse there. 
until there, there was a point a week there that I was laying on bed. From there, I bought a plane ticket to Mexico. I mean, no one, no one sane probably would ever do that, I think. But I already knew how fast a change of environment can help me, how fast joy and peace can help me. And some, for me, something joyful is like snorkeling, sunbathing, being in the water, uh, being in the sun. Well, that, that is basically for me just it. So I went there and I was exhausted. And the first few days were a disaster. It was a nightmare. But then um, one day I was, you know, one hour at the beach and then I had to go to bed. But then I thought, okay, let's go to somewhere really nice because I wasn't really at a nice place. So I went to a really beautiful lake where I could swim. And it took me three days. Three days of joy and bliss to be able to have a 10 kilometer bicycle ride. Can you imagine how fast this again happened? I was again in joy. And then I went home and I slowly deteriorated again. Things got worse. But then in the next summer, which was also the summer of 2019, I went to a lake just with the idea of enjoying it, of having a good time. So, you know, sitting there in the water, next to the water, with my foot in the water, gazing at the sun, just taking it all in, feeling again. And three days of that, and all my symptoms were gone again. And then I went home, and then I felt worse again. And then I don't know what to do. My path of life is just not being there, I, and also not doing the coping mechanisms. Sometimes when I felt really good, I immediately have the, had the urge of, of coping, of trying to be someone that I was not. So even more emotional stuff had to be resolved in me. And journaling helped me a lot with that. Anger came out. and Then at, a, at around 2020, I just connected with my soul again. Through my pain and, and all these emotions that come out, I was shaking and shivering and sweating. And I already knew if I wasn't going to stay here, I'm going to feel worse. I need to go. I need to go. So my symptoms would come and go all the time. But I always know now that whenever I feel bad, it is because I'm either doing a coping mechanism or I'm not in the rightful place in life. And sometimes symptoms come. I'm not a perfection, I'm not the, the image of perfection. I'm not Jesus Christ. Sometimes I feel my coping needs to be good, to please other people, or to be in a not so nice environment like my old house where I used to live. And what happens then is that I can expect symptoms. And they, they come slowly. Maybe I wake up groggy a few times. Maybe I feel nauseous. Maybe dizzy. And it won't take long for me to feel really bad again. Maybe a month, maybe two, maybe three. But I can always go back to the life that I am supposed to be living. And probably as well the reason that I can develop symptoms very fast is that my stress bucket is still 
pretty full and I need still to release them but it's not completely full anymore and it's slowly by slowly I'm emptying it emptying feelings emptying the need for stressful behavior as of this moment I feel very angry all the time like there's a silent beautiful type of anger living in my solar plexus which is basically telling everybody to fuck off everybody that wants something from me no it's just telling me no and I made this movie uh, integrated anger uh, last summer and you know that was my reality for a while but then I moved to a community and this feeling came back again so this feeling disappeared again I mean and immediately I developed symptoms so I had to consciously work around feeling that anger all the time but the anger is also supposed to let me walk on my own path and my path is probably not in this community I want to be self-sufficient remember so my next step in life is to buy a piece of land no water no electricity no internet and live there make a hut so that's what I'm going to do and frankly I should have done it 20 years ago when I was 18 years old but at that time I was still too conditioned by society about how my life should look like and I thought that I had to save money for this but in reality it doesn't life doesn't work that way I need to step into the energy that I want that I want to create in my life the, the energy that I had on, 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 while traveling, the energy that I had next to the lake, the energy that always gets me out of my symptoms and then be my, my purpose, which is self-sufficient, being in nature, really connecting, you know, the campsite feeling that is sort of my, my purpose, stepping into that and as well giving me something to help others like I'm doing with this YouTube channel and my website and my recovery program alongside joy and relaxation good food enjoying life to the fullest that is what i should do and maybe this is also just a phase but i think walking the path of alignment is necessary and in order to do that i needed to feel my fear a lot of people they need to feel fear they have so much fear and their problem is they don't trust they don't have trust in life anymore. They miss the primal trust in the universe. But where can you find that primal trust? And I think it is at the other end of the spectrum of fear. And that is inside of you. And you can recover. You can heal. You're going to be alright. Things are okay. But you don't have to match your mind's ideas about how your life should look like. You don't have to manage what everybody else is thinking about you. You're here for yourself. And chronic fatigue syndrome or every other chronic illness is just an opportunity to get back to yourself, to get back to your senses, to release the emotions and to stop the coping stuff. And then everything's going to be alright because you're much stronger than you think. There is no permanent damage. There is no permanent brain damage. Because Joe Dispenza already showed there is no such thing. And I already 
knew this before I got fatigued. I already knew that we're living in a hologram. Because that's what I, that's an, an experience that I had once. Life is not real. Well, define real. What you can see, what you can hear. Well, it brings you to your senses. But real, what is real? Have a beautiful day, everyone. Bye.